Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast. This episode is Helpline with Mothercraft nurse extraordinaire, Chris Minogue. If she can't help you, nobody can. I'm Siobhan Hunt. In this episode of Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, we're looking back at some of your questions from the year so far, from dummies, overnight settling, fear of car seats, and what to do when your little one starts to hit their siblings. We'll be back next week answering your questions, so make sure you email us during the week at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. But for now, let's get started with a question about toilet training a three-year-old. Um, so we have a question now from Haley. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to train my almost three-year-old. He'll be three on Tuesday. Um, for the last three weeks, he's just been continually wetting himself with only some um, in the toilet each day, for which I praise him. Yeah. He comes to tell me that he's wet. I ask him all day, every half hour. He was showing signs of wanting to go to the toilet and uses a stepladder to get to it. Will it just eventually click. It's a little frustra- frustrating. Um, he's also recently given up the dummy. Oh, he's turned into a big boy. I think what we would do here is just go one step one back. So it might have been just too much too quick for him if he's just in little underwear and he hasn't quite got the idea of when to go to the toilet and what it feels like to go to the toilet. So I would take one step back, Haley, and I might put little pull-ups on him to give him the idea of underwear, and I would toilet time him, and I'd stop um, asking him every 15 minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour if he wants to go to the toilet. So in your mind, what I would do is start by saying to him something like, I'm going to help you do the toilet training, but we're going to use little um, pull-ups to help us get there. So that sort of gives him the idea that we're going to go back one step. Then I would toilet time him. So mid-morning before you go out to the park, I'd say, let's try for a wee now. I'd take him in and sit there just for a minute or two, not very long, and we're not trying to do the wee, but we're giving him the idea of the frequency of going to the toilet. Then I might do it around lunchtime, mid-afternoon, before he has a bath, and maybe before he goes to bed. And in between those times, I would not talk about toileting unless he said, I need to do a wee-wee, and then I'd just take him off to the toilet. I'd reset, and that's called toilet timing, and that gives him an idea of what his body feels like when it needs to go to the toilet. Now, if you start getting two to three wees a day in the toilet, then he's ready for toilet training, which is a week of being a bit closer to home, putting little underwear, maybe underwear in a singlet, it's a beautiful time of year to be doing toilet training. And then you only do gentle reminders. We're going to the park. Would you like to try for a wee? And if he says yes, then off we go to the toilet. If he says no, you say, that's okay. There's a toilet where we're going. If you need to do a wee, we'll go. So I think I would stop asking him because he doesn't know what he needs at the moment and go back one step and do some toilet timing and then go forward. And I think you'll be surprised at how fast he'll go forward from that point. Uh, we have a question on the phone from Emily. She has a 20-month-old toddler who has a bit of strange behaviour at night. Emily, what's going on? <laughs> oh, hi, Siobhan and Chris. Hi. Um, I've actually seen you a few times, Chris, in the clinic. All right. <laughs> But um, anyway, so basically, it's probably not strange. It's probably normal, but it's me that thinks it's strange. Yes. Um, so it probably started about a week ago now. Yeah. And it has happened um, before, maybe like two months ago. 
And I always feel like it always happens when my husband goes away, <laughs> conveniently. <laughs> and anyway, I think it all stems from her being super overtired. Yep. Um, so usually she sleeps really well, um, like seven till seven type sleep overnight. And her day sleeps, you know, maybe a little underwhelming at an hour, hour 15 at yep. most. Um, but anyway. What, if, so what time did those, you say you put in it to bed, Kate, um, Emily? Um, anywhere from 12 to 12.30, depending okay. on the time she actually gets up. Okay. Yep. Um, then what does she do? So what she does is she will wake up extra early, maybe like 4.30, and then just refuse to go back to sleep. So on, on those days, obviously, then I'm like trying to sort of start catch up. Mm. So then after a few days of those early random wake-ups, at night, she'll go to bed fine because she's exhausted, but then we'll wake maybe an hour later yep. and literally just jump for a two-hour period. So she gets hyperactive. Yes. Like, yeah. So the hyperactivity right. is the overtiredness, the accumulative effect of overtiredness. Yeah. So then, <laughs> you know, I because mm. I don't I don't like to go in. So we just let her jump up and down and do her thing all night, yeah. essentially calling out. Yeah. But she's not that upset enough no. for me to go in. Yeah. Um, but it does make for everyone a bit grumpy anyway. <laughs> um, so then, but then. You know, after a few nights of her doing that, I think she gets the the hint, like we're not yeah. coming in, yeah. you know, go to sleep. But then during the day, she's probably like she doesn't like anybody leaving and she's super clingy. Yeah, that's So then right. I don't know if she then gets a bit like, I don't know, not scared, but like upset that someone's going to leave and like she's going to be by herself type okay. thing. So what's happening is she gets into states of over being overtired when she goes into this and then she's still overtired. Even if she slept well for one night, she's still overtired. So yeah. the ability to be dropped off to daycare and picked up and comings and goings such as daddy hasn't been there and yeah. come back, that just is heightened when they're overtired. So uh -huh. I think... One of the things is because she's only sleeping an hour to an hour and a quarter, she's sort mm. of a little bit overtired all the time. So then when she goes mm. into one of these stages where she's kept herself awake, she's now really, really overtired. Mm. So on the days where she only sleeps for an hour to an hour and a quarter, try mm. this for the next couple of nights if you can. Put her to bed mm. earlier so she has more sleep, so she catches more sleep up. So put her to bed mm -hmm. by 6.30. Yeah. Okay, okay, so bring everything forward if you can on your non-working days. Bring yeah. everything forward so she's in bed at 6.30 because she catches mm. sleep up and they sleep better generally. So mm -hmm. you're doing the right things as in, you know, she's jumping in a bed, having a good time and you're ignoring it. I think all of those things are right and I don't think you can change anything around that. But I think you can put her to bed earlier to mm -hmm. give her more sleep so that overall she has more sleep and she's less overtired. Yeah, okay. And so just um, one more like sort of point is yep. like say last night and the night before, yep. she usually will go to sleep initially absolutely fine. Yep. But those two nights, um, she literally, when we say, okay, you know, bedtime for Sienna, she literally just, Flung on like a little monkey round her neck, going yeah. mama, 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 mama. Yeah, and so, I'm just like, 
Holly, Holly, what are so like, in, you doing? Instead of saying and, bedtime for Sienna, maybe yeah. say story time for Sienna in the room so that we're doing more in the room so she's not hanging on because she knows she's going to go to bed. So maybe a couple of new story books for bedtime saying, look, I've got a new story be- story book. Let's go and sit in your room, have a little story in the room and then put her to bed. Then I think there's less anxiety about you going to put her into bed and then walk out. She's going to have a little bit more time with you in the room before you walk out. Yeah. And I guess like the last two nights, like my husband put her to bed last night, same deal. Yep. And he just said, oh, I'll rub your back. And she goes, okay, and lay down. Yeah, they always and do that And so the then it's like, is it like... Just oh. ask Joel to be at home at 6.30 every night and that'll fix the whole thing. <laughs> but really I think she's just also aware of who's doing what for her. So I think if you read the stories, it's a bit like Joel rubbing her back, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so okay. I think she's got herself overtired and we've got to pull it back a little bit for her. We're going to play a little bit in her room or read the stories a little bit in her room before you put her down. And then mm-hmm. Joel will do his rub in the back trick on his nights. But mm-hmm. I think progressively she's getting herself more and more overtired. Yeah, so it's just purely overtired, nothing it, like it is. No, type there's, of no it's, there's <laughs> all these mothers, Emily, going, Oh, yeah, my baby does that too. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing so unusual. Worry. And good luck. And remember, you can call us back if you need some more help. <laughs> give, it a, give it a shot for at least a couple of days, and we'll be back on Friday next week if you need to talk to Chris again. Cool. Thank Thanks, you so em. much. Thanks, Bye. Emily. Bye bye. This question is from Kalinda. My 30-month-old daughter sometimes taps slash slash hits Hits. her baby cousin quite firmly on the head. (laughs) When I go over and say we don't hit other people and remove her hand or her from her cousin, she will start, she will crawl back over, look at me and do it again. Just the other morning, this happened at least five to six times. Right. I know she's doing it to see my reaction, get my attention, but how do I respond in a way to get her to stop doing it? Do I use the words no firmly? Do I put her in time out? Do I ignore it completely but remove her from his space? How do I respond? Okay, so we remove him. So you're actually doing the right thing. She goes up, she's curious about a baby, and she knows he gets a reaction. She taps him on the head, which is good because that's the hardest part of his body, and then she gets some sort of reaction from you. So I can understand going up to her, a gentle no, we don't hit, We use gentle hands, showing her gentle hands on a baby. That's the learning experience. But now I think she's crossed over. She she knows it gets a reaction and she's confused about the game. So I think if you did that once and then the second time she did it, I would go over, I'd pick the baby up, I'd give the baby some attention and I'd just walk away from her a little bit and then give that a good five minutes and then try and bring the baby back and put the baby back where, it, you know, in the bounce or on the flat, on the floor. She's a bit young for reasoning. She's only yeah, 14 months, hard, 13 yeah. months. So I think she's doing the reactive thing that they like doing at that age and she's just not sure. It's getting a great reaction, but she doesn't, I don't think she realises that it's the wrong reaction. So I think a gentle no, we don't hit, gentle hands, show her gentle hands. If there's then another incident of it, pick him up, give him the attention, calm him down, give it five minutes, put him back. And then the last one, if it, it sort of intensified like five or six times in a day, is quite intense. Um, then I just do a few days where she cannot get him. 
So a porticot using as a playpen and popping him in there and only bringing him back out onto the floor when she's, you know, maybe asleep might just help her to forget how to do that. So she sort of forgets that that's going to get a reaction from 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 you. So in amongst what you're doing is right, but I think you could fine-tune it a little bit because she doesn't understand the language. She, if you sit down and have a big conversation about gentle hands and it's going to hurt the baby and blah, 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 she's like, lolly. Like she, she doesn't make that connection. So she needs you to do that for her. Chris Minogue and Helpline on Feed, Play, Love will be back answering more of your questions right after this. Sometimes parenting can be challenging and sometimes it can be a downright laugh. What we're really talking about is your son thinks babies are made through hugging. You have to rectify this problem, Because now every time he hugs you, he's like, are you pregnant or am I pregnant? I'm Siobhan Hunt and the Parent Panel is a weekly podcast I host where we invite a mum and a dad to discuss the events and stories of the week. The Parent Panel, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your questions with Helpline and Chris Minogue. We have a question from Alex on the phone, so let's pop our headphones on. Alex has a 15-month-old who has been sick and teething and also trying to drop to one day sleep. Alex, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you for taking my call. Pleasure. Now, um, it says here that your little one wakes up hysterical. Is that um, what you're trying to stop? Yes, so at the moment he's he's normally a self-settler and we've been quite lucky. Um, but now he's been waking up once or twice a night, um, really hysterical, throwing himself around the cot. Um, and I'm wondering if it's becoming a behavioural issue, if he's having difficulty adjusting to one sleep yeah. or if it's just pain yeah. um, and that he needs some help uh, dealing with that. Okay. So um, you said he's 15 months old. What time do you do his day sleep? His day sleep at the moment is 11.30. Yeah. And how long does he sleep for? No longer than an hour and 40 minutes. We we do Ah. try to resettle, but it's difficult. Difficult. Okay, so that might be one area that's leading into this behaviour because if he's having only an hour and 40 minutes at 11.30, he's got a very long day from then on. Um, and he might be overtired when you put him to bed at night. So what time do you pop him into bed at night? I've been trying to get him to sleep around quarter past six to 6.30 um, to make up for that That gap. um, That gap. Yeah. Today I've given up and just given him two sleeps. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're probably right. But what I would do is give him a really little morning sleep, like a little half-hour sleep, you know, in a pram, in a car, on the go, and then move him back to his lunchtime sleep where he was doing before that might have been around that one one thirty window and just see if that makes a difference with his behaviour at night because what you've described does sound like a baby who's got themselves overtired and then they're really overtired when they wake up at night. But the other thing it does sound like, because you said that he thrashes around when he wakes up hysterical, could be the start of some night terrors, which do happen or could happen in or around this time. So you might have two things going because he's getting himself overtired in the day. He's then 
really overtired when he's sleeping at night and that might be triggering off some um, night terrors. So that's that really aggressive thrashing around behaviour that you see. It's almost like they want you in the room but they don't want you in the room and um, that could be stemmed by the fact that he is overtired but it is also an age-related thing. So I think you might have two different things going on at the same time. But usually, usually I can console him, but it's like oh, being there makes it more worse. difficult. Yeah. yeah. So that sounds more like overtiredness. So I'd go back to your two sleeps in the day, try that for another two weeks, and then do a slow transition. Now, as he gets closer to 16 months, he might be able to tolerate staying awake till 12 o'clock. And therefore, that two-hour sleep would push to two o'clock and that would push his day out. His sleep would be more even across the day and he might not be so overtired. But usually when they drop to one sleep in the day, they need a good two to two and a half hours to make up for the effect of moving to one sleep to be able to cope with the whole day being about 11 and a half, 12 hours long. Thank you so much. That's a pleasure, Alex. Good luck. Bye. Bye-bye, Alex. Jackie has a three-and-a-half-month-old. Yep. Jackie says, I've read the Tresillion sleep book and the little one's sleep recommendations, but my three-and-a-half-month-old baby doesn't happily follow either because they can't read yet. That's right. Um, he sleeps reasonably well overnight with between two and five wakes, but rarely <sighs> sleeps more than 45 minutes per day nap, even if I try to resettle him, with one and a half to two hours between naps. He's generally happy when he's awake. How important is it to achieve the one and a half to two hour naps that are recommended? It is important, Jackie, because we know that if the baby stays in the 45 minute sleep cycle in time, as they drop sleeps, they'll be getting less and less sleep and you'll have a much more overtired baby. So that point at around three, four months where they become really alert and really awake is a time to help get them into linking cycles together. And what I see from the people that I work with, that when they do 45-minute cycles in the day, eventually, within the next month or so, their nights fall apart. And you can sort of see this because sometimes you're up five times at night, whereas a three-and-a-half-month-old, I think two would be really reasonable. One would be fantastic, Mm -hmm. but five is a lot. So, you know, there's a bit of this behaviour that now is falling through to his night behaviour. So it's not so much about the 45 minutes. It's about the the essence of the message that he gets about going to sleep and how you look at resettling. So that's why I think it's important to get the balance right, that it's not every sleep in his bed because that would just become overwhelming if you were just going backwards and forwards into a baby's room and a baby not playing the game, so to speak. So usually what I would say to a parent at this point is one of two things. Continue resettling him because it does take about a month and that's what the books don't say. Right. This is not a quick fix. This isn't, I've learned to feed you, I've learned the pattern, so why aren't you doing it? This is a repetitive behaviour that we teach him because he's got to mature over that month to be able to do it. So good argument for not doing it for a month, but weirdly, it still takes a month. So whether you do it this month or next month, it will probably still take a month. Pick your battles. So pick your sleeps that you think are important for him to resettle on. So for me, it's usually a morning sleep because if they start their day well, they're not overtired by the end of the day. And an afternoon sleep because it breaks up that period of time that he's awake for. 
and they are the sleeps that are going to resettle for. So in essence, he could have a big sleep, a little sleep, a little 45-minute one when you're out and about, another big one in the afternoon, and then he'll probably need a little cat nap towards the end of the day. So now you've set your rhythm. Now you've got your frame around when and why you're going to resettle. So at, if you're going to do it for the morning one, you've put him down at 8 o'clock and he wakes up at 8.35, I would usually give myself a good 40-minute window to try and get him to resettle. And I do that in part by listening to him and then reacting to the cry. So if he's just whinging, talking, a little bit of crying, a little bit of whinging, a little bit of talking, I probably stand back a little bit and see if he can self-settle. If it gets up into an active cry and I've counted to 60 in my head, I'm going in and I'm helping him. I'm shushing, I'm patting, I'm body rocking, the room is dim, it's quiet. I think at the moment what I see is people overusing white noise. It's really loud. Mm. And when it's really loud and you wake up after 45 minutes, it's going to wake you up. So turn that white noise down to just about the level of a fan moving in the room. And I think you'll find that you'll have more luck with your resettling. So there's many different ways of doing it. But if I would just stick to the basics, listening, going in when it's an active cry, helping him to settle. The other thing that I think doesn't get across is that it takes between five minutes and 15 minutes to settle a baby. So it's not a two minute thing and it's not a one minute thing. It's, it's a distance thing. Yep. And it's that consistency. And and I think if you stick at it, you will pay it will pay off and in a month's time you'll be in a better place. Yeah. As someone who didn't do any of those things, <laughs> I recommend Chris's method. Um, yeah. I just, Her honesty I, is amazing, I isn't rocked, it? <laughs> I did rock my I rocked, rocked my eldest. I did tell her too. Yeah, she yeah, did yeah. tell me not to. Uh, I rocked her. I got her she did catnaps for the for, for that first period for forty five minutes. 45 minutes each time. And I remember thinking, oh, isn't this nice? Isn't it the so cute? Over yeah. Yeah. It's got a bit, she paid for it. I did. She got really good upper body strength. Yeah, that's though. how she paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The next question comes from Belinda. She has an almost three-year-old, a little boy. He's had his dummy for sleep since he was about two weeks old. He is completely dependent on it for sleep along with a special teddy that he cuddles. I've only ever seen him fall asleep without it a handful of times in the car, never in bed, but we've never actually tried. He only has it for sleep and he knows he's not allowed to take it off his bed, but he does also look for it for comfort at times, particularly if he's sick or sad. My question is, do I need to actively wean him from it at some point or will he naturally lose interest himself last week I spoke to him about growing up and not needing the dummy anymore and he became quite emotional and extra clingy to his dummy for a few days after uh, wanting to sit in the bed and be with it more I'm happy to let him have his dummy if he needs it for now. But if it's something he's not going to self-wean, I'd rather get it over and done with sooner rather than later. If it is something I need to actively wean him from, how do you recommend going about it? So generally, Belinda, you have to actively wean them from a dummy. Otherwise, they would take it to kindergarten with them and high school and the way they go (laughs) down the line. So I think at three, you can have that discussion with them and they've got that cognitive understanding, even if it's a difficult process, that they understand what it is that you're doing. And it's one of those lessons where it might be difficult, but we're there to nurture him through it. 
uh, that's going to lead you into lots of decisions that you make that might be difficult. But I think the really good thing in his case is he has a little teddy. So we're not taking everything away from him. We're just taking one element away from him. And usually I make this um, this sort of movement when I move them out of cots and into beds. So that's sort of like the baby thing and this is now the big boy thing. But it sounds like he's already in his bed. So um, what I would do for a week or two is only restrict it to when he's physically in his bed. So I'm not sure if he still has a day sleep, but that means he would only get it twice in the day. It would literally not be in the car or not outside the bed. So it's something that you're actively doing. You're going to get a dummy and give it to him when he goes to sleep, and then you're going to take it away in the morning. And I think if we did that for a few weeks, we've eliminated all those incidental dummy uses that you do, like in the car or he's fallen over and he wants to suck it for a little bit. And it allows you to substitute that with some other comforts, like why don't we go and get your teddy and give him a cuddle? Um, Why don't you sit on mummy's knee for a moment? And, and we're slowly giving him other skills that he can use instead of the dummy. And then you have the very bad weekend. So you usually do it on a Friday and you literally say to him the night before, tomorrow it's time for our dummies to go. We're now a big boy, which is this discussion that you've already started. And he will be a little bit sad, but he's got his teddy and we're going to be a little bit gentle on him on that day. But we literally take the dummies and we throw them away. You have to throw them away because otherwise they will hunt the house down for them. Oh, dear. So you have to actually throw them away. And that's just one of those little lessons he's going to learn that he's now a little bit older and he doesn't need it. We're going to throw them away. And that weekend, he's going to need a little bit more to go to sleep, but not more things. So a little extra cuddle, a little bit more time, but don't try and fall into giving other things to comfort him because otherwise you'll end up with the same problem. So he's got his little teddy bear, a little bit more of a cuddle, put him down, a little bit more of a pat, and then out of that room like you're probably doing at the moment. And within a day or two, he will have got over it. Steph has a six-month-old. She says, hi, guys. I love your podcast. And then in capitals, help me. Uh, My nearly six-month-old hates the car. I feel like I've tried everything and any car ride over five minutes leads to horrible screaming fits, which causes me to be concerned about his welfare. I worry he'll choke or pass out. Please give me some advice on what you think I should do. It's so isolating. I feel I can't go anywhere. Um, Thank you. I've tried ensuring the seatbelt isn't too tight. A mirror, window down, shade, toys and someone in the back. So weirdly, we get a lot more of this now about the babies in the cars and, and not liking the car seat. So the first question I ask is, is he in a full car seat or is he in a capsule? So often at six months, if they're still in a capsule, it might be too tight and they're too hot, especially the weather of late. And they get, they just get really frustrated. The second thing I ask is, are we generally putting them in the car when they're tired? So, you know, we've been out, we've been a mother's group, we've done a few things, then we're popping the baby in the car when they're tired and we're getting them home to give them a feed and put them to bed. And they're just too tired to cope with that complete strapping back that a car seat does. So that's the first two things I would try. Um, I make sure that they have good block out so that the sun often hits them from the back window and from the side window and they get really irritated about that. Now, that's obviously not all the time because your car moves around, but do you have like a window sock on it? Do you have some prevention, which most most he's parents a, do? He's in a full car seat. He's in a full car seat. Um If he's in a full car seat, check his head support. It's not too close to him if it's at the right angle. So have that checked. If all of that checks 
then actually what I do is for, and this is not easy, for a couple of days I don't put him in the car seat. And then when I put him in the car seat, I go really short distance. And I would do this on the weekend and maybe have your partner sit in the back or you sit in the back, but you're only going a really short distance, like 10 minutes, so that he's having a couple of really positive experiences in the car and then just increase that time in the car. Um, I think it's because they get put in the car a lot, a lot mm. more than they were 10 or 15 years ago. And they're constantly in and out. It's that constant pushing back of the shoulders, you know, when they sit in the car seat and you tighten those belts. Have you tried music? I know this is going to sound, this is, uh, again, they're usually this is going not the at 100 expert. miles an hour. The music is turned up because oh, right. the baby's crying. Well, this is totally anecdotal, but my, and also my, when mine hated the car, they were a lot younger. But yeah. um, I used to. <laughs> I used to sing and a friend of mine said she had the same thing happen, but the baby would only be quiet if she sang same. like twinkle, twinkle a thousand times. So if yeah. you're driving for half an hour, yeah. you have to sing. Twink- anyway, that's just like yeah. a layperson's advice. Loads if you want of to try people it. have already done the radio up because they're blocking the baby. They're putting music on. Most mothers with four-month-olds have got the wiggles going long before they need the wiggles. <laughs> it's a common thing that people mm. would try is mm. the singing. But I I'm not sure who they're blocking out more. They're blocking. They're hoping to calm Singing the baby makes or block. You feel the... good too, but you have to choose a song you like. She, yeah. um, Steph also writes. Um, we've been feeding him in the car rides. Is that okay? It's the only way he's happy when we must travel. Uh, mm. As in, it must be a bottle. I'm assuming. Um, I'm assuming it's, it's a, a it's a, a bottle. I certainly wouldn't feed him food because he's in a recline backwards. Um, I can see why, because he's sucking to soothe himself. Mm. I'd probably try a dummy um, mm. over giving him fluid in that position. So I think to get him to calm down, it's perfectly fine. I wouldn't want that, though, to be the cue about what happens when bottle. I'm in the car. Yeah, yeah, it's a bottle. Try try a dummy instead, because I think that would be easier, even if you only just use it for car rides. Um, but it certainly calms them down and soothes them. I just wonder what what will happen in the long term every time you put him in the car, does he need a bottle? You know, that sort of, because they're smart, as you know. They're really smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steph, hopefully Hopefully they might do help they, you. Do they grow out of it yeah. as well? Yeah, do you know when they grow out of it? When you turn the car seat around the other way. Okay, and when will that be? Uh, New South Wales um, car regulations is over six months, um, greater than eight kilos and longer than 72 centimetres. But you can look it up on the New South Wales car seat regulation. Or wherever I, you are, state territory. I was going to say, because mm. I think state and territory. But that usually when I've looked at it, they're pretty much across the board. You get very confused, the poor parents out there, because you can get anything from six months to six years. So in reverse, but I think if you start with your state laws, you will be fine. They usually, as soon as they turn around and they can see more, they're happier. All right, that might be so a solution. So you haven't got long to go, you know, mm. so he may not be eight kilos, but, you know, in the next couple of months he's probably ready to turn around. Okay, yep. good luck, Steph. That's all for this special highlight edition of Helpline on Feed, Play, Love. Chris Minogue and myself will be back next week, as usual, taking your questions. To submit your questions to Chris, just send an email through to us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. 
Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Elise Cooper and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.